Today's episode of Dark Pages from the Old Attic contains violence that can be uncomfortable for some listeners. Therefore, discretion is advised. Hello everyone and welcome to our anniversary episode of Dark Pages from the Old Attic. Oh yeah, also that. Clara, look how far we have come. We planned five episodes and now we have double that. We are insane. Also, in case you're a first-time listener, this is Ella. Yes, hello. I wish I had realized earlier how special this episode is. I could have baked a celebration cake or at least got some balloons. Not that the audience would see the balloons anyway. No, no, but they have a great imagination. So I'm sure they too would appreciate the festive decoration. All right. Everyone, imagine balloons and confetti. And a cake. A big one. <laughs> Ten episode anniversary. Yay! And what better way to celebrate than with a chilling ghost story? I honestly cannot think of a better way. What do you have for us today? Well... What would be better than a sneaky thief and an angry ghost? A ghost thief? What? A ghost that steals or a thief stealing ghosts? And how would that even work? Maybe we are the ghost thieves stealing them from all these stories. Clara, this is getting too weird, even for me. Then let's escape into a story. What's it called today? Today's story is called The Greed and the Ghost. Today's story was recorded on the 30th of June 1997 in Zamora, Spain, from someone called Teresa Moreno. The story has been given the code L2WV by Agnes. As I told you earlier, I had an especially dubious career years ago, before I settled back into my hometown. It is in my past now, and I will not go into too many details, but simply put, I was paid to acquire things belonging to people unwilling to part with them. This occupation is the reason the story happened, and why I sat on a forest hill with my binoculars set on a castle atop a lonely cliff. It was an old thing, with parts of its elongated fortifications dating back to at least a couple of thousand years. But expansions over the centuries had resulted in a mix of Roman brickwork, Moorish arches and modern glass doors. Three sides of the castle were like the one I was watching. Steep cliffs topped with flat sandstone walls overlooking the surrounding plains. Only one side sloped enough to allow access by the road. And of course, that was where most of the security was focused. Perhaps I should also mention that the castle had been turned into a hotel and that I wasn't observing its ancient architecture out of academic curiosity, but rather to look for handholds on its steep walls. I took notes and moved my attention upwards to the modern windows installed in the wall for the hotel rooms inside. Each window had a glass door next to it leading out into a wooden gallery roofed with red tiles. 
every room had its own section of the gallery, which was divided from the neighbors by curved wooden screens. Below the gallery was a narrow maintenance path, which appeared to be patrolled by the security now and then. That would be my way in, but for now, I was focused on the windows. The Hotel El Castillo y Las Duralia was hosting a prestigious event, which meant a lot of people with a lot of wealth and in a need to display it were filling up the rooms inside of my binoculars, though there would likely be a good deal of cash floating around as well. Just a bonus, really. As darkness fell and the cold air of the hills came creeping down through the trees to envelop me in its cool grasp, the guests went off presumably to dinner, and I began packing up my stuff. I had the notes I needed, and I would strike the following night. Before I was done, however, I saw something strange. The lights were off in most of the rooms, but suddenly they lit up and turned off one after another, like a wave of light passing from one side of the hotel to the other. It was over within a second, so quickly I would have missed it if I hadn't accidentally looked up just when it happened. I frowned, trying to figure out an explanation. Hopefully it wasn't some type of security system I was unaware of. On the night that followed, I was back on the hill, only this time dressed from top to toe in black, carrying my bag of gear, heading down towards the foot of the cliff. Clouds obscured the night sky, but there were enough lights on the facades of the castle to illuminate the surroundings as if a full moon was out. The guests had left for the event and all the rooms were dark. I waited for a couple of security guards to walk by on the maintenance path before creeping the last part of the way to the cliff. It was a steep but not much of a challenge to climb. During daylight I had picked out a route from the spot on the hill. And as soon as I found the beginning of it, I began my ascent. While about halfway up the cliff, the dead air was stirring by a refreshing breeze and I thought it a good omen. Some 10 minutes later, I halted myself onto the maintenance path, checking for guards before looking up at the gallery above me. This part would be a bit more tricky, as I had noted the stone wall was quite smooth, with hardly any handholds. It was time for the hook. I got it out of my bag and secured one end of the rope to it, before spinning it around a few times. When I released it, it flew high into the air and sailed gracefully over the rail of the gallery. I pulled on the rope until the hook caught on the rail, and then, with a deep breath, I began my final climb. It was hard work pulling myself and my bag up, hand over hand, but fortunately, it was only a few meters to the gallery. Once I had reached the top, I swung over the wooden rail and landed softly in front of a dark window, looking into what I had noted down as room 7. I pulled up a rope and took a moment to catch my breath. Behind the window in front of me was what I had already seen through my binoculars. A spacious room with a vaulted brick ceiling, a wide bed and a set of drawers and furniture, all made of dark wood. A door led into what I presumed was the bathroom, and through an archer doorway, I could just make out the adjacent lounge with a TV and couches, and what I thought was a small bar. Anyway, it was time for work. I got up, checked the path below me for guards one last time, and went for the glass door. 
If my observations were correct, the couple using this room was pretty lax with locking the door. To my satisfaction, I was right, and the door opened when I pushed. Thankfully, the architect had left the stone floor exposed, which made sneaking around a lot easier with my soft shoes. My first destination was the drawers, in which I had seen the couple put some of their jewelry, and though there was a lock on each drawer, it was a brief affair picking them. With a bit of fiddling with my tools, the first drawer opened to reveal its glittering content, and I knew it would be a good night. I stuffed it all in a pouch and tossed it in the bag before moving to the other dresser. Among the coats were a couple of purses, and one was so expensive I threw it in the bag along with the cash I liberated from the other one. Within a few minutes, I was done with the room and headed for the door. And then I heard a low hissing sound behind me. I spun around, heart racing, eyes wide and scanning the dark room. But I saw no one. Crouching down, I looked under the bed, but there was nothing but shadows. For a moment I stayed crouched, listening intently for the sound again, or perhaps the rustling of clothes or a slight shuffle of feet, perhaps even the release of a held breath. But there was nothing but silence. A quirk of the ventilation or the plumbing or something. Quietly I rose and backed out of the room onto the gallery and proceeded to the next room by climbing around the wooden screen. A short while was spent picking the door, and I had to pause for a moment when the guards went by below me. But eventually, I got in. This room was pretty much identical to the last, only the occupants were more careful with their positions. Their valuables were stored in a safe, which I went to work on immediately. Fortunately, it was more flash than function, and a while later the door popped open with a click. In the faint light I saw a couple of rings on cushions, the metal struggling to hold onto the heavy gems, along with a pearl-studded gold necklace. Gaudy, I thought, but expensive. There was also a wallet and a few luxury watches. Before I could lay my hand on any of it, I heard a faint creak by the door and turned around to look. The door was closing, swinging shut with a smooth motion that seemed too deliberate to be caused by a draft. I got up and tiptoed as fast as I could to the door, but couldn't get to it before it was shut. Thankfully, it didn't slam, but if it had, it would have made more sense than this careful closure. I was about to grab the handle to pull it open again when I heard a distinct click from the lock. Okay, I whispered to myself, trying to pull on the handle, but the door didn't budge. There was no one out on the balcony as far as I could see, and it was too small for anyone to hide. Strange as it was, I was used to unforeseen problems and instinctively went for my bag to get my tools again. About halfway across the floor, all lights in the room turned on, blinding me with flooding the place with bright illumination. Frantically, I ducked to not be seen from the outside, looking around for a switch. There was a row of them next to the room's front door, and I dashed to them, flicking them all with a quick swipe, but it made no difference. The lights stayed on. 
I felt incredible exposed in the light, and if the guards outside saw it, they might come to check on it, since all the guests were supposed to be away tonight. There was another switch on the wall, close to the bed, but it didn't work either. In an act of desperation, I pulled the bedside lamps out of their plugs, which worked to quill their light. I had to climb a chair and remove the bulb from the ceiling lamp to turn it off. And the one above the bar was so frustrating, I ended up smashing it with my elbow. It was noisy, but at least the rooms were plucked back into darkness. As I stood breathing deeply to get my heart rate under control again, I thought of the weird light display I had seen the night before when the wave of light swept through the rooms. If it was some sort of security, surely a silent alarm had been set off. The safe thing to do was to leave. But I had barely done two rooms, and the first one had already been so profitable. I could at least run one more room. Maybe two if I was quick. I felt something soft touch my cheek, and I jerked away from it, staring wide-eyed at the empty space next to me. There was no one here. I must have imagined it. Either way, getting the door unlocked was top priority. And to be honest, at this point, my nerves were getting frazzled. I got my tools and knelt down before the door, getting to work on the lock. Hardly had I started before I heard something behind me. It was like someone slowly ripping paper apart. So slowly, I could almost hear every single wood fiber snap. I took a deep breath steadied my hands and tried to bolt out everything else but my work. And then something touched my back, like a full hand pressing against me and I whirled around, ready to grapple with whoever had stuck up on me. But I was alone. I knew I hadn't imagined the last touch, and all the hairs on my arms stood up as my professional instinct began giving way to my more primal instinct. Fear was flooding my mind, like cold water filling up the hold of a sinking ship, and I hadn't even noticed my shadow yet. When I did, my breath caught in my throat. Orange light from outside cast my silhouette onto the wall near the safe, and a strip of wallpaper had been torn off, revealing the dark wall behind in such a way that it looked like a rope extending from my neck. I turned back to the door and somehow managed to work the lock open again. As soon as it clicked, I was out on the balcony, but then I remembered my bag with my gear and the night's gains. It sat there, in the middle of the floor, at least two or three meters from the door. If I wanted it, I had to go back inside. I was torn, but the longer I stood there, with nothing else happening, the calmer I became, and I began reasoning with myself. Maybe I had imagined the touch, and the shadow was just a creepy coincidence. And the stones on the rings were most likely diamonds. And it was just lying there. I went back in. Now, I wasn't a complete fool. So I dashed for my bag, but just as I bent to pick it up, it was yanked violently away from me and under the bed. I was forced to get all the way down on the floor and reach with my entire arm to get a hold of it. While I did so, 
I heard the door key. I pulled the bag with all my strength, sending it flying across the floor, hoping to jam the door before it could close completely. But as the bag sped towards it, the door slammed shut with a loud crash. I took the Lord's name in vain and scrambled to get to the door. Though I hadn't hurt the lock this time, pulling on the handle was like attempting to pull a mountain and I didn't bother with my tools this time. I grabbed a chair and slammed it against the glass. After a few tries, the door shattered loudly and the shards of the glass were still tickling across the wooden floor of the balcony when I raced out and secured my rope to the railing. I crouched to shoulder my back, then got up on the railing. A hiss behind me made me look back at the room, but it was too dark to see anything. Then the whole railing shook violently under me and I slipped, falling off the balcony. As I fell, I tried grabbing the rope with my hands to slow myself, but it caught on something and my drop was immediately arrested. Somehow the rope had looped around my neck and in an instant it tightened to block my windpipe. I couldn't breathe and the pressure was terrible. I tried prying the rope away, but my own weight and the weight of the bag pulled it too tight for my fingers to do anything. I kicked and squirmed, hoping to somehow loosen it, but to no avail. Wooziness and panic descended upon me and by the time I fought to reach up and pull myself up, my arms were too weak to lift myself. I hung there, feeling myself rapidly disappear while the castle loomed above me. It had crushed me, humbled me and, very likely, killed me. And then there was a shout and flashing lights and someone grabbed my legs, pushing me up so I could breathe again while the rope was cut. First they took me to the hospital, later to jail. Once I got out, I kinda had a change of heart regarding my whole career and life. I went back to my hometown and, as you know, I run a popular climbing club for children now. I don't know what happened that night at the castle, but I think it was part punishment and part wake-up call. Maybe we should have named this story Ghost Punishment instead. Ooh, or Ghost Punisher. Maybe. But maybe punishment is a bit too light. I mean, it was nearly murder. Yeah, you're right. It was really good luck that some people found the thief at that moment. Very. I was a bit on the fence when choosing this story because it's so violent compared to the other stories. But I thought we have to read it because of this. If we're following Agnes' footsteps, we are more likely to find clues and stories that stick out. Yeah, I agree. I felt a chill in this story, but more so because ghosts until now have been more lurking and trying to trick people. But this ghost was not playing around and straight up attacked. The closest we've been is probably the spirit at sea ghost. But even that wasn't so direct. This is a totally different kind of ghost. Yes. Makes me wonder what would have happened if the ghost had caught people in the other stories. The things upstairs at the chateau kind of sound similar to this one. Something vengeful in a castle. Good thing they got out in time. I mean, 
we know that people survived in all of these stories since they were able to tell it to Agnes. But how many did not live to tell the tale? We may never know. What a dark turn of events on our anniversary episode. Not very festive and cheerful. I guess that's the whole thing with the ghosts. Not much cheer with the dead people. Then what about Valhalla? That sounds like a pretty cheerful place. <laughs> All right, fair. But what also sounds pretty cheerful is that we will be back in two weeks with another story to chill your soul. Yes, have a spooky week. And if you must do crimes, make sure there's no vengeful ghosts around. And be gay. Be gay. Do crime. Like, like crime. Like crime. Crime. Bye. Today's episode of Dark Pages from the Old Attic was written and voiced by Zoe and Vicky Sevang. We try to release a new episode every other Friday. And you can head over to our Instagram at darkpagespodcast for updates, teasers and illustrations for each episode. If you wish to support us, give us a rating and review on the platform you're listening to the podcast. And don't let your friends miss out on the spooky times. You can contact us on our Instagram or our mail darkpagespodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and we hope to see you in the next episode.